welcome to episode 37 of the Brood Sages, Stormbound Players with a Head for the Game. I am Freeloader, and with me, as always, is Sabaiku. Sabaiku, how's it going tonight? Fantastic. We are the Brood Sages, easily the second best Stormbound-related podcast in production. And as a reminder, you can always follow us at Brood Sages on Twitter, or for all of you who've been hit by a smooth criminal, our email address is thebroodsages at gmail.com. So, Sabaiku... Uh, it's been uh, just under two weeks since our last episode, I believe. Uh, during that time, we've had a couple of, of the new brawls. How's it been? How, how, how was your week and, and how have those brawls been? It's been a good month so far. Pretty busy mm-hmm. in real life, unfortunately, not leaving me a ton of time for Stormbound, but I'm making it work. Uh, still managed to hit the Heroes League nice and early. I've been riding uh, my Winter Rush deck built off of uh, the one that you put together a few months ago. Ooh. Riding Giovanna uh, uh, and Ubis. I took Thomas Petrie's advice when he was tweaking your deck and he added the hearth. Mm. So I threw that in there and thought, well, you know, my hearth guards is one copy away from maxed out. Might as well just finish that off and throw that in there too. Uh, And it's been working fantastically well for me. I'm really, really happy with how that's handling the latter. Yeah, that Giovanna uh, uh, change. And and we'll get to... We'll get to discussing changes to cards in a little bit, but that Giovanna change really did open up a much more aggressive style winter deck, which um, quite frankly, I'm happy exists because it, it just adds more flavor to the to the meta in general. And boy, it's fun to play. Not even the Giovanna change, the ice, Icicle Burst change. Now just mm. being able to get the combo reliably on five or six mana with either Icicle Burst or Frost Hexers and just put an overwhelming number of units on the board. It, it's working out really well. Yeah, it feels good when it happens, doesn't it? It sure does. And, and it's like I said, it, it's consistent it's something that you can definitely make happen if you play the deck right and you build your curve right yeah that was one of the things um i I mean it's it's i think it's fine to dive into this a little bit because i i think it mentioned it warrants being mentioned at this point um we did an extensive amount of play testing and even some spreadsheet work if you recall a couple of months ago about this and one of the things that we figured out was it was incredibly important if you wanted to be able to hit the Icicle Jev turn to play two cards in cycle every turn on turns one and two. Like, like you, it, it, even if you weren't putting as many stats on the board, just to be able to enable that swing turn, it was better to play a one and a two and then, or, or even, uh, you know, I had first mutineer in there for a while, and I, I learned to just play first mutineer and then cycle another card. That way, it was the same yep. thing as playing two cards plus a cycle. Yeah, it um, turns out that just uh, the sheer number of cards that you see is what really drives the probability of drawing mm-hmm. into the combo. Yeah, and that was uh, that was certainly a huge difference in the uh, uh, frequency at which we could hit the combo on turns five or six. Um, so for all of you struggling and feeling like it's kind of a hit or miss, hot or cold kind of deck, that's a little little bit of insight we can give you. Just don't even worry about the stats on the board. Worry about how many cards you're going through until you hit that hopefully combo turn. So you asked about the brawl. I did bring this combo also into the uh, three by three brawl where really? you can have no more than three units on the board at a time. Although mm-hmm. I did it in a slower deck. Um, I know... Uh, reckless put out his video showing his winter rush deck 
Mm. Uh, I I took it in a slower direction because I knew that I'd be playing Winter Rush on ladder for at least most of the month. So I was like, oh, screw it. I'm going to put down some uh, uh, True Shop and some Underground Springs and Blessed with Brawn. And I'm just going to oh, go beefy cool. winter towers. And uh, it was real dicey. I did almost get rushed down so many times. But uh, surprisingly, I was able to come back and win every time. Huh. Um, you know, but with structures and uh, level one siren and level one hearth guards, it, it worked out all right. Hmm. I imagine Void Surgers wasn't really all that good of a card in that particular <laughs> Did not see it, but no. you know, that doesn't mean that nobody brought it. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I uh, because that one was the. Um, I mean, it's not equals, but it's effectively the equals brawl. Uh, I didn't have time to play all three this this past week, so I did not partake. I'm sad to say. Um, I'll get it the next time around. I'm not too worried. I am thrilled, uh, however, with these new brawls. Not them in specific, uh, but uh, with just the idea that we're taking brawls in a new direction aside from just, we're going to adjust mana costs and strength, right? Like, this is cool yeah. stuff. No, this this one was really good. There was a lot of uh, different strategy, different tactics that you had to bring to the match. And, you know, depending on what your opponent brought, because it was totally unpredictable, you really had to adapt every time. It wasn't like Pirate is two movement brawl where you know pretty much every card in your opponent's deck before the game starts. It's just a question of, well, are they playing Winter Pirates with Gift or are they playing Swarm Pirates with Forgotten Souls? Souls, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and the the previous brawl, the... uh, um... Uh, uh, I don't, I don't remember what the, what its name is, but basically half your deck, half your opponent's deck. Um, I it, it wasn't quite as exciting as I was hoping it to be, right? Like yeah. amalgamation brawl. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Oh, and and neither was Catloader. Catloader uh, really thought we were going to see some cool stuff. It felt like a lot of people were just trying to play bad cards to sabotage me. Uh, uh, so there there wasn't really a lot of like interesting combos that came out of it. No, um, I, yeah, I, it. I I never really. I did not try that strategy. I didn't really like that strategy. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. turns out that you and I are pretty used to playing bad cards. Like, you should see some <laughs> of the decks we put together. We're fine at this. Go right ahead. Throw some chill beards in there. Yeah, knock yourself out. I, I, I can't tell you. I, I believe about 80% of my opponents were playing Bladestorm. I don't know why. Uh, I guess when you can't think of what cards to put in a deck, you just put in some right. guns, I guess. You, you want a bad level one card. There you go. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, uh, but, but, but these two new brawls, uh, boy, is it bringing the, the game in a different direction from where it was. Um, they feel fresh. I, I would say the amalgamation didn't really... I mean, I don't, I don't want to be overly critical of it because I don't really know what I expect from a brawl, but it wasn't, it didn't end up being one of my most enjoyed brawls I've ever played. Yeah, it was different. It was definitely a lot more random than, uh, not as bad as I feared, but more than I would like on a regular basis. Let's say that. Sure, um, but I will say that the better player seem to win the games more often, right? Because you both yes. have the same crappy cards, but whoever could figure out the the puzzles of positioning and and cycling seem to do better. Um, that that I will agree with. I think um, you know the strategy that I ended up taking was mm-hmm. I built a Shadowland deck where everything was three and under. 
I figure this way, if my opponent brings garbage, at least I still have stuff that I can do on the early turns. Right. If my opponent brings some of these good cards, well, then great. They're pretty much guaranteed guaranteed to be in the deck if both of us have brought them. Uh, and at least I can use them to fill the curve and try to work around what my opponent did. I don't know if that's the right strategy or not. I didn't end up going particularly deep in uh, any of the three, but I did, I think I did go to 50 crowns in all three levels with that one, just kind of testing yeah, I, it out yeah. at I did you know, level one, level three, level five. It was all... It, it was all fine, um, but it, it wasn't something that I thought, oh, man, this is so enjoyable. I want to keep going with it. Yeah, um, I love the three brawls idea. I love, um, you know, the the, the, the idea of, of, you know, helping newer accounts be able to compete in brawl uh, competitively, like not just go there and, and, you know, concede a couple of times or get blown out until you get your free card, but actually like compete, compete, right? Um, it's just been a bad month and a half for me, really, in terms of my time. Uh, so I haven't really gotten to explore how it feels to play that many games in a weekend. I, I have not been able to push to the to you know seventy plus crowns. Yeah, game, I will. Which say, I'd lo- I want to. I will say that the brawl now takes up a lot more of my weekend, and ladder takes up a lot less of it. So mm-hmm. like, overall, like I'm I'm earning resources. But I'm spending gold to earn them um, at a rate that I think is probably pretty reasonable. We can get back to that later. Sure. Uh, but but also at the same time, I'm not playing ladder, so I'm not earning coins at the same rate that I was before. So overall, it does feel like it's hurting my economy a little bit, but not a ton. I, I, I'll have to withhold judgment until I have... A, a, you know a week or two where i can really dive in and play a lot um i've always enjoyed i think the brawls a little more than you uh I, i've gone deeper into them more often i've you know pushed for the legendary once or twice for example uh, uh yeah i've never gone past the mythic mm-hmm. or i've never gone past 70 crown milestone i should say in any of the brawls um but i, I just like i like the mode i like the um ability to sort of step back from ladder continue to play the game and uh uh, but in a different way that feels fresh and with a different deck right um and and so that part of it's been very good i actually think that's that might have been one of the reasons why amalgam wow cat loader is very very uh vocal tonight uh that that might be one of the reasons why amalgamation didn't really hit for me was that um i did the same thing you did uh, I, I basically took what was effectively my ladder deck and just made it faster with no combos. Like I took out butchers because I don't know if I'm going to have butchers in rain. Um, so I just sped up my combo, my, my uh, uh, ladder deck and played the same deck on on brawl as in ladder. And that part of it didn't really feel all that great. I guess it, it kind of feels <laughs> now I know what somebody who plays who like mains a pirate deck feels like. <laughs> When the pirate brawl comes around, it's like, well, yeah, this is really kind of like right in my wheelhouse. But at the same time, this is also all I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, 
so we're going to do something different with the rest of this episode. Uh, this is something that you and I have talked about doing on and off, uh, but we got sort of poked and prodded by Thomas Petrie asking like, hey, why, why don't you guys do this kind of episode? And now that we finally had someone else tell us that we should do this thing, it went from being a theoretical, hey, why don't we do this at some point too? Well, I guess we better. I guess we better just sort of Fisher cut bait. So let's let's do it. Um, I'm very excited about this uh, because we're we're a, a little over half a year into 2021, and boy, I don't think it's as easy to see the forest through the trees, right? So when when we when we take a big step back and look at it and just sort of say, how has the game changed in 2021? How has Sheepyard, you know, moved the needle? Uh, I'm hoping, and I don't know yet because we actually, we, we have not discussed this ahead of time. We've just, we have the data and we're going to look through it now. Um, so apologies if this seems a little disjointed, but you are getting literally our first knee jerk reactions to the data in terms of what has happened this year. So Subaiku, how about we start with card balances? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. So we are going to look at card balance changes from January 1st. Um, so, uh, whatever other changes Sheepyard made last year, we're not, we're not going to discuss those. And I think the best way to do this is to take this faction by faction. So mm -hmm. I, I went through and just compiled all the changes by faction and, uh, we'll start alphabetically with Ironclad. Ooh, okay. Ironclad, we have seen changes to Linked Golems, Fort Tonic. Green Gale Serpents, Unstable Build, and Destructobots all getting nerfed. Really, some of the cards that have been core to Ironclad decks for the last, I, I'm going to say for the last six months, Ever. but really forever. Um, yeah, just this is just cheap art saying, you know what? Ironclad's too strong. Like yeah, what, what they do, they do too well. And we just need to pull it back in a little bit. None of these changes, I think, were really huge. You know, some of them were very minor, like Destructobot. Some of them were a little more major, like uh, Fort Tonic plus one mana. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I think the Fort Tonic plus one mana has been the biggest uh, nerf to Ironclad. And at the same time, it's also been the one that has seen, uh, I feel like, one of the biggest drops in play rate, right? Like Green Gale now not buffing other dragons unless they're right next to it I, I i mean most of the ironclad decks i saw running green gale never ran a second dragon to begin with um right it's just a, a useful card all on its own exactly link golems it certainly wasn't enough of a nerf to to justify dropping link golems out of existence right like you see a ton of link golems still you see a ton of green gale still I don't see as much Fort Tonic anymore. I actually think Fort Tonic has pretty much left the meta. Um, when the Fort Tonic nerf happened originally, it seemed like a lot of people just swapped it out and said, well, Hearthguards it is. Um, and I think Unstable Build, even though, yes, it does do more self-damage, I don't feel like its play rate has particularly dropped because really its job in the first place was to just be a cheap activator for Hearthguards. And I yeah. feel like it, it, it's still Or just still a frontline tank for yeah, defensive... Right. You know, it's just something to soak up nine damage. All right, you just played Ubis. I'm going to park this in front of it and drop Ubis's strength down to one. But the point is, really, all of these cards were core, and Ironclad is still totally fine. I, I, I think so. I, I don't feel like any of these, aside from the just the straight-up mana nerf to Fort Tonic, were 
impactful enough to to change play rates much. They were impactful in terms of win rates. I do feel like, for example, Unstable Build Now isn't as an oppressive card when it's played and it's still played as frequently. It's something that I don't have to worry about quite as much, if that makes sense. And so because of that, I, I, I think that the nerfs have overall done a decent job. But man, Ironclad has sat at the top of the, the heap for a long time, no? Well, sort of. Uh, you know, if you go by our meta report, which is definitely skewed, it's based on a very limited number of contributors. It's based on perception of strength rather than hard data. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Ironclad was Ironclad has been on the top of the meta report or near the top of the meta report very very consistently um obviously sheepyard thinks that it's not quite as powerful as that as the player base seems to they have better data they have more data they seem to think that they really brought everything else in line and i do kind of agree with that um can you can you really say that? so so they don't do uh, uh, changes to to uh, cards balance changes they don't do them more than once a month often every once in a while I suppose but for the most part it's once a month and this last month we just saw yet another nerf this time to Destructobots and again a gentle nerf but still a nerf so I feel like Sheepyard is the, the you know the latest move we can see of theirs is still eh, Ironclad needs a little bit of a volume reduction. Yeah, and I don't know if... Uh, look, obviously the Destructobots nerf is not changing the power level of that card in any significant manner. Agreed, agreed. So I I have to wonder if that's really just about perception and trying to make the player base think, okay, everything's just a little bit worse, let's try something else out. No, I, I mean... I. There, there definitely have been nerfs where that's happened, where I've looked at it and said, well, from a perception standpoint, this looks a lot worse. But in reality, is it like Ubis is nerfed? And we'll get to that in a little bit. I, I feel like the play rate dropped much more than the actual impact of the nerf. In the case of Destructobots, I've seen zero change to the play rate. You? I haven't seen a change to the play rate in Ironclad decks, but... My point is maybe it convinces some people to not pick up Ironclad in the first place and to try out a different faction. Ooh, all right. That's interesting. Not something I had contemplated. Um, right. Okay. I, you know, it's, okay. Still, it's still a core card for every Ironclad deck, and it should be. Yes. But, no, maybe, yeah. but maybe now this makes you think, oh, man, Link Golem's got hit. Destructobot's got hit. I'm just going to try playing Shadowfen. Which I would recommend anyway. <laughs> Well, um, so so going on from the nerfs in Ironclad, we've also added an extra card, right? Temple of Space got added and then subsequently rebalanced. Um, and uh, I feel like the rebalance was maybe a little slow, but was correct in that, you know, the, the, the original Temple of Space was a lot of mana and a loss of card shuffling all for pushing stuff around the board effectively right yeah it, it was definitely too much of a cost um you know i haven't seen a ton of playing around with it i hope people try it out i hope that they enjoy it i actually play it a ton every time i get the 150 gold quest to uh, play structures it's one of my <laughs> auto includes you get a two I, for I, one 
Oh, it's so good. You are guaranteed to be playing a tower every turn after turn five if you have it in hand. Just keep playing it again and again. The the, the bot will always clear it, which is great because then you can play it again. <laughs> and the one buff for Ironclad, Armed Schemers, you know, something that people poked around with a little bit. I don't think it sees any widespread play. Uh, it's expensive. It doesn't do a ton even though it does a lot of damage it still doesn't quite do enough on the board to make it worth it yeah arthas had this theory which i um have become a, a a wholesale believer in which is just cards that have positional constraints to them are super hard to set the board up for and are therefore not as strong even if you look at the stats and you go oh wow that's a ton of damage and a ton of value you're putting on the board. The positional requirements make it so difficult to ever pull off. That's why Arm Schemers, Void Surgers, these cards are really just not, they, they don't see the level of play. Uh, it's just harder to, to, to set up a board for them. Yeah, um, that's, that's fair. And even if, even if you do get the payoff, it's oftentimes just not enough to swing the game for you. It, it's fine. It's not good. Right, exactly. Um, I don't know. I, I would like to see more Arm Schemers. I feel like Arm Schemers is a card that would see play in a more control-oriented environment than we're in. Uh, yeah. But I feel like mid-range, and we've been saying this for a while now, mid-range is just kind of top of the heap. If you put Arm Schemers in winter, does it see more play? Where it's it's in a faction that's designed to go long, where it's in a faction that can stall out the game and heal. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I mean, anything is going to see more play in winter because of gift, right? Like, if you can mana cheat, then you can afford to play more of your hand on a turn. So something that is a decent removal of one card that's in the way, even if it doesn't kill it, just it pulls it away. In any other faction, you pull, like, I don't know. Let's say they put two units. One is tiny in the corner, but you can't kill it because there's a giant beast right next to it. Well, arm schemers can pull the beast away, which is great. But in any faction other than winter, you don't have enough mana left over to clear the other unit. In winter, you can gift arm schemers and then clear that last unit. So yeah, it sees somewhat more viability in winter, but I don't know. There, yeah. there still feels like there's a mana cap to cards in the game, right? Yeah, you know, that's true. And, and not that there shouldn't be. Um, I'm just saying that I feel like Arm Schemers is above that man. Like for for the price you're paying for Arm Schemers, it should be a finisher. And what I mean by mana cap, and we'll have to talk about this and see if you mean the same thing. What I mean is that you can have cheap cards that are say four and under that just provide general usefulness. You mm -hmm. can just put them in your deck because they do something and you can just play it and it's fine. You know, Siege Breakers, if you don't actually hit a structure with it, is still a totally viable card. Sure. Uh, sure. Whereas anything that's five or above has to have either dramatically outsized value. Um, and I'm thinking something like Ubis or Loris or Crazy Bombers or Siren. So anything over five has to provide that crazy amount of value in order for it to be fit in your deck. You can't just put in something that kind of works sometimes and uh, the, every other time it's just a dead card in your in your deck. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I, I think that's, yeah, the, the cutoff is somewhere four, five, maybe six. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just going through in my head right now all the different cards. I, I, I feel like anything, and, and this might this might be 
a little too simplistic, but anything seven or above should just be a runner that that ends the game. Um, or or unless you're playing winter, when because eight is pretty darn good for mana cheat. Um, but you know, I'm thinking salty outcast. I'm thinking siren of the seas. I'm thinking now. Admittedly, you and I are coming at this from the biased perspective of a rush player. Oh sure, but but I'm also looking at it from the standpoint of what's viable, right? And uh, like the answer, the answer is well, if you have all level five cards, everything is viable, but if you are someone trying to compete with a mixed library of levels, uh, then you have to, the, the, the game forces you to gravitate to certain kinds of builds. Um, you know, Loris at level four is still very, very good. Uh, you know, so, so you, you look at Loris as an include in, in the five mana, uh, spot Cordia is still very, very good. So at level four, you look to put her in, um, you know, certain cards are fantastic at level five, but only level five. So, so yeah, there, there's more available to you when you have a max level collection. Um, I do think that control in this game really relies on having max levels. Well, you have to at least have levels commensurate with your opponent in order to play control decks. You can't just try to punch up when your units don't even make an even trade with theirs. I mean, yes, I I agree to some extent, but there are specific uh, control style cards that I think even at similar levels now struggle. Um, And one of those happens to be, if we slide over to Shadowfen, happens to be the one and only nerf that Shadowfen has seen this year. Um, It is really hard now to make chestnuts work. Um, The one time it works okay is when you have a level advantage over your opponent. When when chestnuts is just so dang big that even though it only heals itself for two now at level five, it's just such a large unit that a, a deck of mostly level threes and fours or even fours and fives struggles to really do anything against it. Um, the rest of the time, I, I think chestnuts is basically gone from the meta. Yeah, definitely not something I see outside of the Toad Brawl anymore. <laughs> but according to Bajosa, this was the highest win rate when played card in the game it was just so uh unbalanced that that it was an outlier and they had to just sort of get it out of there and i appreciate that like i don't want to play in a world where oh he hit that on six and it's even in my deck but i didn't get it until turn seven or eight like it's too late um so so i that being said, though, Sabaiku, there's not that many cards in this game. And and taking a card that saw play and turning it into a card that can't, that, that doesn't see play because the meta just doesn't allow for it kind of feels bad. I, I wish they had changed its mechanic rather than just nerf it. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Unfortunately, taking Chestnuts out really took out the only Shadowfen control option, I think, mm-hmm. that's really reliable. Unless you want to try to say, like, a Claxi deck is is still okay. Um, you know, it, it's not something you really see very much. Although sometimes high-level Shadowfen players do actually put it in just to counter Bragda decks. Yeah, Bragda they, they, says, I'm going to make right. everything 5 strength or 8 strength. And Claxi comes in and says, I'm going to make them all mine. <laughs> well, right. That's that's what I was going to say. Was I, I think Claxi sees play right now as a anti-mirror tech in Shadowfen midrange. But it's a tech card. It's not really a viable 
no, no, style not on its own, right? Yeah, no. Chestnuts was on its own a wind condition that you could use mm-hmm. in an otherwise, you know, control oriented shell, and it's it's really gone, and I, not really anything has been able to replace it. No, and to be clear, like it, you could abuse it. I, I, oh, it, it was right, and I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that. It did need to be changed. It was very hard to play against. It, like, it, it was. Even even if like I would go up against players with all level five cards and chestnuts would carry me. Um, And I don't think that should be the intent of the game either. Like if you just get this one card to level five, then everything else can be level four and you don't have to worry. Like that doesn't that doesn't make a lot of sense either. Um, So I'm again like I'm glad they nerfed it because I do agree that it was it was outsized in its effect in the game. But I wish there was some use for it. Um, outside of that card, though, Shadowfen's really not been touched much. It's seen two buffs. Yeah, uh, Venomfall Spire got an extra strength, and that is well-deserved, but not impactful. You know, we talked about this already in a previous episode. Just the mechanics to support poison just aren't quite there to make it viable. So that makes the, the, the card in the first place not viable. And then right. the second buff, Sunbeam. Sunbeam Serpents no longer needed anything to be bordering to draw the, the strength buffs. And, you know, like we said before, not having those positional constraints uh, really frees up the card to be used. Arthas builds the chunk beam, uh, you know, very heavy mid-range Shadowfen decks, uh, something that didn't really exist before. You know, Shadowfen Dragons was something you kind of saw as a meme deck, mostly. Um, it worked when you out-leveled your opponent, it didn't when you didn't. And now chunk beam is just a viable deck in the game and it's pretty fantastic yeah no it's it's legit right so so everything that i said about um nerfing chestnuts and losing a card from the game this did in reverse right this was a buff to a card that didn't really see play and now it does see legitimate play um so so hats off to that one i i you mentioned that chestnuts was the one reliable control card for uh shadowfen and i agree i feel like like poison could be not that uh, no chestnuts was not the a reliable it's not that shadowfen didn't have reliable control cards right like toxic sacrifice and witches and toad are all fantastic for that but there was no win condition Mm, in the deck chestnuts provided you the ability to win and shift your opponent down while you were controlling the board yes agreed agreed uh i i feel like poison could it has the potential to to be that new sort of shadowfen control mechanism but it's it's missing a card to or two maybe at this point yeah it just needs more and i don't want to speculate on what it needs that's not what we're doing here we're looking at the past we're not looking forward mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so so but but looking back the the imp- the impact of the buff to Venomfall Spire was nil because the, the the mechanic itself isn't viable. So it's not about, oh, well, it would be so much better if the, the tower was a little bit more buffed. Yeah. Surprisingly, that's it for Shadowfen. Shadowfen has really, I, I don't want to say it's been overlooked because I feel like it's been in a perfectly fine, balanced location All within the, the meta. All the cards are just generally useful. All the yeah. cards just kind of work. Um, you know, people complain occasionally about Toad or Witches or whatever, but it's all 
it's all pretty well balanced, I think. Um, and the nice thing about Shadowfen is that you can kind of put the same core of nine or ten cards in a deck and change the last few, and it all still kind of works. You know, if that last card is Butchers, you're in a Rush deck. If that last card is Ragda, you're in a mid-range deck. Um, but that leads to all the Shadowfen games kind of playing out the same way, which kind of yeah. Yeah, that's where I was going to go with it. It was just like, well, I mean, while that is really helpful from a library standpoint and an you know an economy of the game standpoint, it's really frustrating from the standpoint of you know once once you have gone down the the Shadowfen hole, that rabbit hole leads you to basically here's the eight cards that all your decks are going to have, and the play styles don't really feel all that different from a mid-range to a rush to a control deck because they're all kind of using the same cards. Um, I, d- I can't really speak to uh, Ironclad, whether a, like a iron, like if you recall, we really struggled for a while to be able to differentiate between rush and mid-range Ironclad. It's very possible that for Ironclad, that was the same problem. What I can tell you is I've also experimented a lot with winter and the difference between the winter rush decks and the winter controlling decks are you don't feel like you're playing the same faction. You're getting ahead of yourself, though. Alphabetically, the next faction is Swarm. <laughs> Let's talk about Swarm changes. Okay. Uh, Swarm has seen, I think, some of the best changes in the game so far. Um, no nerfs. No no nerfs, just buffs. All, mm-hmm. for the most part, high impact. Yes, that's that's what I mean by it. It's just they gave Zuri vitality. That was great. A broken truce having splash damage was nutty good. Uh, swarm callers, they've reduced the, the, the mana cost, which automatically makes it more playable. And that's and then, the one where I, why I said for the most part, because swarm callers did not end up being particularly impactful. It's it's nope. a decent card. It's yeah, just not, exactly. It's not a good card. The condition is too hard to meet. You do still have the geographical problem of you have to have satyrs bordering where you want to play it. And sometimes that forces you into awkward positioning. And Yeah, yeah no, I agree. Like, But, but if I think about like um, three mana cards that have big value impacts on the game, right? Uh, linked golems. Green Gale Serpents. Those are the first two that come to mind. Those are two, three mana cards that are just like, whew, they do work, right? Swarm Colors is not in that group. No, but it's getting closer. Like like before, if you said, what is a really impactful three mana card for Swarm? I would have said Unstable Ghoul, and but only you, in a Rush deck. And then you would have said Swarm Colors. And then now, very yeah. shortly afterward, he would have said Ami. Now, I, yeah, I mean, right? Like Ami. And that's, and that's the problem, right? They they very quickly undercut the Swarm Callers change with the Ami change. So now it's like, well, for three mana, I can play Swarm Callers, but I'd rather jam the Ami in my deck and have a win condition in case the game goes long. It's true. Ami is definitely like a fantastic mid-range card uh, that wants like a control shell around it. Uh, and, and Swarm Callers is a good control card, uh, but if you're going to go controlled, you probably would rather have Ami in the deck for a win condition. <laughs> so yeah. it, it, like like Swarm Callers, the wind got taken right out of its sails right away, right? Yeah, I think I, I did try Swarm Callers in a rush deck, and I couldn't quite get it to work again because geographic concerns. Um, They're hard. So it, it basically... Anytime you wanted to play Swarm Crawlers, you'd be better off 
putting Ami in there as soon as Ami was changed. And Ami, I think, was fantastic. You know, talked about adding play styles to the game. Um, you know, Ami certainly made, well, building on the previous Broken Truce change, Ami made it really viable to play Swarm Control. Um, you know, not mentioned in this podcast yet because we're talking about this year only dark harvest was changed last year right and that made it actually really good too yeah dark harvest was a great buff when it happened but the rest of the 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 faction wasn't in a state to support it and now it is right dark harvest broken through like you have a really good control shell there Mm -hmm. oh i i actually really love where swarm is right now um it just when when you look at some of the really cool things and, and and honestly, I feel like out of all of them, Zuri is the one that's getting the least amount of uh of attention. Well, maybe swarm callers, but but, no, but Zuri, ignoring, Zuri yeah. gets the most play though. It's so good. Like I don't remember seeing Zuri decks, period, before the buff. Z- and the Zuri buff didn't change much, right? Adding vitality to it. It kind of buffs it by an extra couple of strength sometimes, mm-hmm. but it, it not not a ton. It's just it got people to play it and realize that it was good more yes. than it actually made the card good. The card was already pretty solid. Um, I do have to say though that the 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 your first reaction when you see uh, uh, an offensive threat from your opponent is to want to clear what's closest to you. The problem with vitality is you're penalized for leaving it on the board. So you also want to clear not only Zuri up front, but everything behind it. <laughs> Otherwise, it's all going to kind of get out of hand. You know what I mean? It, yeah, vitality is... You can't sleep on it. Vitality is definitely an improvement to the game and an extra added complexity to defensive calculations. That is true. But we're not and talking about it. that. That was too long ago. Indeed it was. We're going to move on from there. Uh, well, to we got to talk about a card that was added this year, Temple of Focus. Exactly. Temple of Focus, which, uh, you know, saw, I thought, a decent amount of play right away. There was a lot of experimentation with it. Um, <laughs> there was some really weird things that happened with it. Somebody tested it out with things like Faithless Prophets and Dark... and. Um, yeah, Harvester of Souls. <laughs> Arthas was messing around with all sorts of fringe cases um, mm-hmm. and, you know, had some success with it on ladder. Uh, Mr. P93 took it, uh, took a Temple of Focus deck to top 10 Heroes League. Hats off. Uh, just an amazing achievement. So it's definitely good. It definitely yeah. works. You know, we've talked about this so many times. It's hard to see widespread play with it when people are still trying to level it up and don't want to make a big investment in it. Kind of a chicken and the egg problem, right? You don't want to invest in it unless you know it's good, but you don't know that it's good because nobody's invested in it and played it widespread. Yeah. So with Temple of Space, I think that was not the concern early on because it was pretty obvious. Um, Now it might be. 
with Temple of Space as well. But I think with Temple of Focus, that was almost in, entirely the reason for lack of mass adoption was just the, I'm not sure it's good or not. And no one's really been able to prove it to me one way or the other. Yeah, I think like anything else, get some practice with it and you'll find out it, it really does have a niche in the game and it uh, really does have some utility. Oh, it's great. I actually, I it's, it's I think, my favorite of the new temples added so far. The bar um, is not high there. No, that that is true. That is true. Uh, the, the, the Temple of Space is better now uh temple of mind is i mean if it yeah we'll talk yeah. about that yeah exactly By which uh, I mean, but, we won't talk about that uh, but temple of focus is um yeah no i think it i, I think it's the, the best one they've they've done so far uh let's move on from swarm to winter yeah. which yeah. just like hmm? i was gonna say uh so let's move from the temple of focus to the temple of life which was added we for winter Hold on, hold on, hold on, because I want to introduce Winter first. So yeah, uh, the one thing I wanted to mention about Winter is that there is also no nerfs. So Shadowfen and Ironclad saw nerfs this year. Swarm and Winter have not. Winter has seen the introduction of some new cards. To your point, Temple of Life, which is a card that was added this year to Winter. Not a card that I think was meant for us. No. You talked about how vitality can be impactful. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a way that vitality is not impactful. <laughs> it, it takes <laughs> it takes positional requirements, right? Which we've yeah. already said that's tough. Really, it, it makes you want to play lots of units, which Winter mm -hmm. generally does not do well, and yeah, it, it makes you want to. Uh, Place your units around the temple and get vitalized and then get a strength buff, which is a very, very slow way to take advantage of a strength gain mechanic. Um, at, at our levels, plus one strength from vitalize, even plus two strength if the unit sticks on the board, is not that impactful. No, it's irrelevant. And... I think for for lower levels, if you were playing this with level ones and level twos and all of your units started getting plus one strength a turn, that's huge. And I think that this is a card that was added for lower levels more than, uh, you know, to be competitive in Diamond and Heroes League. Which, which I'm fine with. Um, but even with that in mind, I think I still just rather the hearth. I do too. Yeah, I mean that's that's like like I'm willing to concede all the points you've made because I think they're both correct and also compelling until you realize that the hearth is in the game and then you just look at it and say, well, it's just ah. now no. If you are looking at it, Temple of Life is better because the artwork on this is so much nicer. It Not is gorgeous. to disparage the hearth, but this is a pretty card. It is a really gorgeous card. Um, possibly top four or three for uh, artwork in the game. It is a gorgeous card, uh, but mm, it doesn't have a ton of impact to the game because it just doesn't have... I mean, it, it's not a good fit for the faction, nor, I think, is its actual mechanic really all that impactful to any particular game. Yep. However, when we move on from there to Ice Flakes... This is probably the best card that Sheepyard has added to the game. It's a two-mana two common... Really? It's a two mana common and it okay. just it fits the faction 
Yeah. It fits the theme. Okay. It has great balancing and it has a unique mechanic where it freezes itself on play. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love it. The whole thing works all the way around. It, it's interesting that you say that. I, I, I love it. Uh, it's the only card that I have bought the $10 give me more copies. I actually leveled it all the way up to level four the day it came out. And I, I think I agree with you. Um, I love cards with drawbacks. Uh, that's why I love Heliotroopers. That's why I love Dubious Hags. This is a card with a drawback, right? I get a huge amount of stats. I get a drawback. Um, learning how to play around that drawback is the skill in the game that I most enjoy, right? Like, is, is, is like, yeah, I know you think this is a bad card, but wait till you can see what I can do with it. Not just play around the drawback, but actually take advantage of the drawback and, you know, be able to park it somewhere and know that it's not going anywhere. Yeah. You can work with that in really unique ways. As an activator for Mistwives that just kind of hangs around for an extra turn, right? Yeah. Like, it's just... Mistwives is a criminally underrated card. It really is. Um, but Ice Flakes with it is fantastic. Now Ice Flakes actually is even better um, because you can just for two mana cycle it out of your hand with Javana, right? Uh, and, and, and gain mana with it. Um, which I feel is was was ne- not necessarily needed, but also for the mirror match helpful. Does that make sense? No, no. See, in the mirror match, <laughs> if you know your opponent is playing Shivana as well, Ice Flakes became unplayable. Like you never wanted to put it on the board. I see what unless- you're saying. And so being able to just put it down and then immediately pop it yourself to get it out of the way, to cycle it. And now I've put Shivana on the board and I've got like, you know, maybe I played Ice Flakes as well, uh, along with um, Icicle Burst. So boom, boom. Now I've got tons of mana. Whatever the last card in my hand is, I can play that. We're in great shape. And it feels real bad when the last card in your hand there is green prototypes. Or summon militia. Yeah. It's but I, I, I understand what you're saying. You're saying basically the same way when you're playing a Shadowfin deck against another Shadowfin deck. You don't just play Reign of Frogs and just let it hang out there. You take advantage of it with Butchers, with Bragda, with Klaxi on the turn that you play it. Correct. Otherwise, you're insane. You're, you're like, please kill me now. Here's the Reign of Frogs. I hope you have a Reign of Frogs as well. Good luck. Yeah, to one of the other cards added here, Glacial Palace. It's a cute stall mechanic. I do like it. Um, Also a very pretty card, not in widespread use because stall doesn't actually win you the game. Um, And Winter has other ways that kind of already do it. Um, But as people level this up, I think this will be a perfectly viable way to kind of control the board a little bit, activate Giovanna. You're forgetting the most important thing. Hats off to Sheepyard for avoiding the huge pitfall. This card was originally going to be three mana. Terrible. Do not allow that. Yeah. This into Giovanna's turn, allowing you to play Giovanna on mana four open with this your opponent can't play a unit because if they play a unit you're going to javana it and have a giant swing turn the second turn holy smokes that would have been disgusting sheepyard's decision to take this from three mana to four mana was incredibly important and and hats off to him for making that decision agreed agreed and then the last winter change that we haven't talked about yet chilled stone dames was buffed it now destroys a unit of any strength as long as it survives the attack and it's five minutes instead of four it's it's fine it's a very situational removal option would um, you be playing it if it was still four mana doing the same effect yes yeah 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 i i, I kind of feel like even if this the, happened- well it, it, yeah even if the strength were lessened to be correct commit, you know, yes. to be yeah, yeah, yeah. in line yeah. with the other four mana cards yeah agreed 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 
I think at four mana, it would be too good. I do. At five yeah. mana, it's not playable. I, I disagree with that. At five mana, <laughs> it is playable. Is it? Because I'm not seeing it. It's not the mana cost that makes it unplayable. It's the positional requirements. Well, sure. But my point is the mana cost is not taking into account that positional requirement. At five mana, it's just too difficult to do. At four mana, maybe you could find ways of fitting it in. At four mana, I think it is too good. You might be right, but at five mana, it's not good enough. I think it is. I think that the problem is more that... I think the problem is twofold. I think that number one, control is out of favor because heavy mid-range is in favor and it's just so hard to keep up with the value generation in most of these heavy mid-range decks. Number two... There are still better control tools, especially in winter where you can take advantage of mana games. You can play the more expensive control tools more regularly, right? I can play Siren and Ulf in the same deck and I can play Gift and Freebooter so I can come back to them more quickly than you can come back to your threats. So I can stay ahead of your value generation that way. I think you're right. Um, I wasn't thinking of chilled stone dames in those decks. I was thinking of chilled stone dames in a sort of mid rangeish deck as the one sort of defensive tool in it. But it's too limited positionally for that. It would be at the mana cost, like, yes. At the mana cost, at, yes. If you're playing one defensive tool in a more aggressive deck like that, you play void chargers. You play Loris. Yes, you definitely play Loris over either of the other two, but that's because I think like that that that's exactly the point I'm trying to make is uh, the the Loris on its own is fantastic. Loris with one trade is the best that you're going to get for five mana at this point. Uh, uh, Stone Dames needs to be at four because it can't compete with Loris. Or, but it does so much more sometimes but hmm. i've played the frostling brawl this last mm-hmm. weekend i do put chilled stone dames in that deck because with the extra strength it does survive a lot more frequently even though the other frostlings all have extra strength also um and it just it does do a lot of work for uh keeping the board clear for opening lanes for runners um or just making life hard for your opponent. I tried playing it, and I ran into the problem that a lot of times I wanted to use my gifted recruits first to soften up the front unit so that I could put my stone dames into it. Didn't have the mana. That was kind of what brought me to the point of, oh, gosh, if this was just cheaper. You know, you know what I mean? Like, if I yeah. could afford the two mana to reduce whatever this is by five health, my stone dames don't need to be as strong at that point. But as it stands, they're losing the trade by one or two. Um, that was continually the problem with it. It was just like, here's the time to use it, but it ain't strong enough. Or, said another way, it isn't cheap enough that I can afford to play another unit first and then it to get the clear. Yep, that is true. But I think that in general, I don't have a problem with that. I, th- I think that... Okay. It's fine. It's pretty reasonable as it is, and I don't think that four, like four mana, eight strength at level five, I don't think that that makes it better. All right. Uh, moving on from there, let's go into the sorry, new... better better for the game. It makes it a better yeah, no, card. I, well, of course, yeah, no, 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 no. I, I understood exactly what you meant. Yeah. Right, but better for the game, non-oppressive in the meta. All right, let's try um, not going through the neutrals to this degree. Um, sure. I think we can really boil this down to 
two categories for the buffs and the nerfs. Mm-hmm. I think looking overall at the nerfs, it is let's nerf all the cards that are really popular and in every single deck, and that would be Hunter's Vengeance, Murs, and Ubis. Mm-hmm. And the buffs are let's buff up cards that nobody's really using and see if people make use of them. And that's Temple Guardians, Boomstick Officers, Joust Champions, Trekking The Confusion cards. And the Confusion cards, yep. The There's Confusion mechanic things- as a whole. Sure. There, there are two things that I would add to that. Uh, one is Hunter's Vengeance only had to be nerfed because it had been buffed, right? Sheep- Sheepyard reduced it to two and then had to undo that. Um, so, so I don't even know if I necessarily call it a nerf as much as I call it a, oops, <laughs> let's, let's just undo that. Uh, and then the second one was that, um, Pog was a burf, I think more than anything, the vitality and minus one strength, like reckless was very depressed about, about losing the plus one strength because in a, a you know, a, an aggressive yeah. swarm rush deck, you need forgotten souls and Pog on the same turn. Yeah, um, but he adapted and, yeah. you know, specifically on that one interaction with Pog and Forgotten Souls, it was worse almost all the other time. It was a break even. And sometimes you got some extra strength out of the vitality. But 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 outside of that deck, when do you play it? To me, I see Pog as a change mostly around introducing the vitality mechanic right because that was changed at the same time missouri mm-hmm. it's the only other card that gives vitality in the game at that point i i don't really have a problem with that i would have liked to have seen kindred's grace get vitality before pog um because with, kin- with that yeah because with kindred's grace odds are something's going to last more than a turn the only deck i saw running pog uh before this change was reckless rush and and in Reckless Rush, this was a straight-up nerf. Well, uh, Reckless Rush needed a nerf. That's also true. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's just Reckless himself needed the nerf, I think. Um, but no, I agree. Uh, it, it was a deck that was seeing a outside-of-the-bell-curve win rate. And yeah. uh, it was also something that, you, while it wasn't something I was necessarily being oppressed by, I wasn't losing to it all that, like, you know, at that high of a rate it was something i was encountering a lot on ladder it was making the ladder experience very monotonous yeah um speaking of reckless we can talk about two of the cards that were added temple of heart and flameless lizards both made their way into his eponymous deck in um within a, a month or so of temple of heart being released and uh in a few months with flameless lizards as uh people realize the insane value that you get for five mana um temple of heart i'm really disappointed that that didn't work out a little bit better um i i was hoping for a little more impact from the healing it's just kind of a little too slow for um general use right it's really got to be a very specialized case like you're coming into the game with significantly lower base health than your opponent but that's the part of it that i love this is the first card i feel like rewards you for being a newer account playing up i wish there were more of these that gave you a little bit of a boost for being a young gun showing up at the uh, OK Corral surrounded by whales. I I love the fact that Temple of the Heart helps the under-strengthed 
or, or however you want these smaller base health players who are playing in diamond and in the heroes league that part of it just it warms my heart <laughs> um but i do agree with you that for someone with a base health 19 or 20 eh, but that's okay it doesn't have to be that every new card is something that i personally can benefit from right going back to what we said for uh you know temple of life it's nice to mm -hmm. have these options in the game even yeah. if they're not for everybody i'm shocked at how well reckless has been able to use this card um i also am fairly confident in saying if he was a base health 20 it wouldn't work out anywhere near as well no definitely not it, it definitely lets him leverage his unique situation it's I mean, it is unique, but it's not all that unique. There are a lot of other people who are lower base health trying to compete in Diamond. Um, and to them, I suggest try adding Temple of the Heart. It really is, when you play against it as a base health 19 or 20, you're, just, you're constantly kind of questioning, do I leave it? Do I not? Right now it's hurting me, but at some point soon it's going to slow them down. Is it better to leave it on the board? I actually don't know the answer still like you know in each situation whether it's better or not in general my point of view is uh if it's a weird card that your opponent just plays they're doing something you don't understand with it just get rid of it get rid of it yeah <laughs> i can't figure out how this is going to hurt me which means it's definitely gonna hurt me worse than i can imagine <laughs> Um, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that Reckless is now playing Flameless Lizard. I didn't know that until you told me in the pre-show. Uh, I was happy with the introduction of Flameless Lizard because Dragon Synergy is something that I think the game does fairly well. And I enjoy Dragon Synergy in general, maybe because I'm a Kibler fanboy. But I just, I don't know. I, I like those kinds of synergies, right? I like Seder synergies. I like uh, um, Dragon synergies. I think they're cool. Uh, it is, however, we should point out a bit of power creep. It's a lot of stats for five mana. It really is. Um, no movement, but I think that we're really kind of, you know, we're, we're starting to find the line where how strong is too strong for the mana cost. Mm-hmm. And this is there, I think. It's close. Um, if it's not, if it's, I'm not sure which side of the line it's on. I think it's still on the okay side of the line, but it's not far off. I, I, no, I, I, I think you're right. I think the line was defined by Ubis, and now Ubis is basically the line, right? Like Ubis was over the line, it got nerfed. I think Ubis is the line right now at five mana for the the sort of maximum allowable value. Um, Loris is right there with it, and I actually think Flameless is maybe like a half step behind. Well, so Flameless is basically Ubis with two pings, right? Max level Flameless right. is 16 strength. Ubis is 10, and each ping does three. So a max level Flameless is Ubis with two pings or Loris that, uh, you know, clears six strength off of the board. That's, that's pretty reasonable. Like, these are all good, good spots to be in for five mana. The difference is that those are level five legendaries and Flameless Lizards is a common. And yes. also Flameless Lizards has synergy with other dragons, um, you know, specifically Spare Dragon Ring and mm -hmm. uh, Sunbeam, which we talked about already. Like Arthas really slotted this right into Chunk Beam and it works really well. Yeah, the other thing to remember is that like Ubis... Uh, and I think Loris as well, right? They're both 10 health at max. There's a lot of things at 10 health. Um, 
Harvester of Souls, the token, uh, Merge tokens, right? There's a lot of things that can clear 10 off the board easily with a card for card exchange, but getting rid of 16 off the board is fairly difficult and can often require three cards from hand. Yeah, if, even if you spend one extra mana on Twilight Prowlers, it doesn't right. remove the whole thing. It's insane, right? It's, confinement like is the only way, and people don't really play confinement anymore. Otherwise, you have to mana accelerate up into gift and to yeah. play Siren. Oof, no, no, no. You're not playing Siren to get rid of a flameless lizard. Stick, That's not a winning play. <laughs> stick Dawn Sparks in front of it, right? Like, that's about it. Yeah, it's tough. I, I can see why Reckless has chosen to put it in. Um, w you've already touched briefly on the buffs. I will say that for the most part, I don't feel like the buffs have really stuck. I don't see Temple Guardians, Boonstick Officers, Joust Champions, right? No, this was a definitely an attempt to make them more playable. Uh, mm -hmm. Doesn't seem to have caught on. Do you think that more buffs are needed to those cards to get them to play? Or do you think that they're just simply not cards that are viable at high level? Yeah, I mean, for most of these, you're talking about being over the mana line, right? You know, mm -hmm. wherever you draw that line, four mana, five mana, Boomstick and Joust Champions are just too much. Trekking Alderman yeah. is kind of just meh. Temple Guardians is way too much. It's so funny because I remember being in Silver League, right? Right when we first got started. And when I saw my opponent play Temple Guardians, I was just like, oh, okay, so the game's over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I played Temple Guardians in Silver and it carried me because people didn't it, have an answer for it uh, until I found somebody who played Klaxi and that was the first time I saw Klaxi. I was like, oh no. <laughs> no. Okay, now I know what I'm crafting. <laughs> Gosh, that's awesome. Uh, all right, well, so um let's finish off the nerfs and buffs with kind of an overview of for this year what are the trends that you see in the way sheepyard is approaching card balancing what i see is basically cards that are highly used are getting changed in order to reduce their play rate right you see that was all the ironclad changes you see that with chestnuts and the shadow fang you see that Ubis, with Murs. Ubis and Murs on the neutral side mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. on the other side you see cards that are not highly used try to get reworked or buffed to the point where they become playable um we said this really from from the start and you know uh, it's nice to see that looking back at it our our uh, perception was correct that it looks like sheepyard is trying to add new cards to the game by reworking old cards and um, letting people play things that they had never really tried before. Uh, I think for the most part, it's it's been pretty successful, I have to say. like Not in the so. sense that people are playing Temple Guardians, but in the sense that Swarm has new decks, Shadowfen has new decks, Winter has uh, different play styles. Now you don't have okay. to just play okay. Gift and Control and Slow. Um, you know, I... I don't see Ubis and Murs in every deck. And now whenever I do see them, I'm like, that That feels a little more reasonable. Yeah, I do agree that the Murs and Ubis nerfs were fantastic. They um, Both those cards are playable, but now playable in specific decks, not just ubiquitously playable. Um, I think Ironclad, the nerfs have helped uh, make the... Uh, uh, 
the, the faction is not oppressive anymore. I think it's more in line with everything else, which certainly should have been the goal, right? Like you don't want to nerf Ironclad into unusability. Um, now that you're mentioning it, I agree. Swarm before this year, Swarm was almost exclusively a rush faction with Zuri, with Ami, with Broken Truce. I feel like it's now a mid-range competitor. Winter was never like Winter Rush was a joke, right? Winter Rush a year ago, last summer, Winter Rush was like a meme. It was it was something people would make as like a as like a funny joke, right? Now it's legit. I, I think you're been, right. I've been almost exclusively playing it this season, and um, admittedly, I am not taking advantage of any of the changes to the Winter cards this year. I'm really relying on the Icicle Burst from last year. Sure, but sure. It, it's super strong it's really good so yeah you know what i i i you have convinced me uh the game has become more multifaceted winter has a rush deck swarm has a mid-range deck shadowfen has two mid-range decks deck. now swarm has yep. a control yep. deck with ami too yeah no i agree um ironclad i still feel like it's mid-range and rush decks are super strong but not as not as like i can't overcome it strong right like now it's like okay this is strong but i know how to play around it i know you know kind of what to do um i think i agree with you overall uh, that seems to be the the goal is to try to take the library that exists and increase the play rate of cards to make the meta feel more fresh i do think however that the meta doesn't feel that much more fresh like temple guardians joust champions these cards are not seeing venom Volspire, not seeing play yeah. arm schemers not seeing play and that's what i was um, gonna say there's still definitely room for improvement here i mm -hmm. do wish that a lot of the buffs hit a little bit better i do wish that something like confusion was just a little more viable we went deep on confusion last time we talked so i don't we did. feel the need, yeah, to we don't need to go over this again um it's it's close but Will it ever get there? I, I don't know. And I don't know that throwing more cards at it or throwing more buffs at it is the right way to go about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it might just kind of always be a meme or a fun deck, and that's fine. Um, yeah, in general, I do think that a lot of these changes made the balance of the game better, but didn't necessarily change the variety in what I see. Yeah, but but at the same time, like you also have to remember, Void Surgers got n buffed to the point where it had to be nerfed back. Um, Hunter's Vengeance got buffed to the point where it had to be nerfed back, right? Like Sheepyard does recognize that like some of the early changes they tried to make to increase play rate went too far. And so they do seem to be being it a little bit more cautious, which I don't think is the wrong thing to do either. No, so, I, that's true. But I, I don't know. We talked about that with confusion. I'd rather see them, I think, swing for the fences and then pull it back if they need to. But I 100% I understand why they don't want to. I still, ever since we came up with the idea of just try to buff it too much for a brawl since you want to since you want to muck around with the brawls anyway and change them make them new make a ridiculously overpowered confusion brawl and see what happens you'll get some great data at least if nothing else well there you go um let's move on then from the cards because we've got that uh so this year 
I would say in comparison to last year, and you feel free to, to, to correct me, I feel like there's been a lot more balance changes, a lot more changes to cards in general, and certainly a lot more new cards introduced this year than last. All of that is true. Great. So along with that, we've also increased the uh, different ways and and uh, uh, well, not just the different ways to play, but also like we've increased just ladder. Uh, ladder got bigger. There's now a new league over the top, right? Heroes League. Yep, added the Heroes League, and then uh, in subsequent months, balanced the matchmaking a little bit, balanced the crown score per win-loss a little bit. Um, You know, really a little extra competition and a little extra rewards for the players that make it. Overall, I I think people kind of have gotten used to it. I think it got a bad rap at first because people were really stressing out about it. Um, A lot of players were kind of unfairly punished by the losses they felt like. Uh, I think that's in a much better shape right now. It's kind of still a little weird in that whoever grinds the most can definitely uh, make it to the top, obviously with the caveat that you have to actually be a top player to do that. Um, but like we saw with uh, Joshua H making five thousand five hundred and fifty-five crowns to take the the Heroes League uh, the first month after that change was made, it's it's definitely viable. But um, aside from that superhuman effort, it looks like things have kind of settled down and it's just a healthy competition. Yeah, I agree that the uh, Heroes League has gotten a lot better than it was at first. I, I, I think the first sort of issue with it was a uh, be careful what you wish for. Um, everybody said they wanted something that was, you know, much more competitive than the Diamond 1 was, which had no, you know, comp- competition to it whatsoever. Um, I'm not sure, though, that the... Whoever grinds the longest wins thing is a bad thing. Um, My opinion from the beginning, if you recall, was that I don't think it's overly fair to say whoever finishes first is rewarded that much more than people who finish in the top 10. Because let's be frank, whoever gets number one is just the person who had the most amount of time this month to really make the grind. That is still true. The one thing I'm really happy about is it's a different person every month. And so what's effectively happening is we're cycling through like the top 20 or 25 players and each one of them is having a month and getting highlighted and getting celebrated within the community. I think that's all a good thing. Yeah. And also, you know, to your point, you're cycling through the top 10 or 20 players, but that top 10 or 20 is very consistent. Like you've seen mm-hmm. those names at the top month after month. Like it's definitely, if nothing else, it is demonstrating, you know, who who the best players in the game really are. Yes, but there's more than one of them. Uh, and, and what separates them is so infinitesimally small. Um, they're all great. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad to see that it's not just like, well, player A has... Uh, just so much more time on their hands than everybody else. They just win it every month. Um, that was my biggest concern. The fact that it's different people is great. And the other thing that's come out of this is, you know, like I said before, extra rewards, which I think is really going to tie into the next couple of changes that we're talking about, right? The daily mm-hmm. checking calendar, which technically started in December last year with the advent calendar. Um, 
but the uh but the premium pass really kind of took hold this year there was a price increase which was much bemoaned on discord but uh overall it really is a nice way to get extra rewards for a very efficient use of your uh real life money and and then there was the uh change with the victory coins were increased so at least Sheepyard has looked at our complaints about the economy and given us ways to compensate between the Heroes League chest, the check-in calendar, and the victory coins. I don't know that it's still enough. I don't know that it really changes things a ton, but at least it helps and it's a step in the right direction or well, three steps in the right direction. Exactly. The the advent calendar turned in daily check-in calendar is just an absolute good for the game. The game is better now than it was in November because this exists. The check-in is rewarding. It's fun. It's great. It's, um, to your point, the best you can get for your money. Um, I don't know that it needed the nerf, for lack of a better term, right? Did they really need to increase the cost on it? I don't know. Um, but the game is better with that mechanism in place than it was before. Nobody has to pay it. And if you don't pay it, it's the same now as it was in November of last year. No, it's still better now than it was in November of last well, year. Well, that's right? true. Too. If right. you don't right. pay because it, you rewards. still get something. You don't get right. as much as you could, but you still get something. That's that's absolutely true. Uh, I take that back. It is just absolutely 100% better now, whether you buy it or not, because checking in every day gets you stuff that you weren't getting before. It is just absolutely more generous than it was. Yep. And, the, you know, the, go ahead. Bumping it to eight just felt bad. It took the wind out of the sails of something that was like hot and great. And I feel kind of the same way is true with the victory coins. The victory coins increase was great, but it also happened at the same time that they're like, oh, and hey, by the way, your end of season rewards are going down. Only for Diamond and Heroes League, but yes, True. yes, I agree. There was no need to say, we're giving you extra stuff, but we're taking something from you at the same time. It could have just been, hey, we're giving you extra stuff and just walk away from it there. I mean, to be fair to them, the reward right now for making the Heroes League is significantly better than it ever was for making Diamond 1. Yep, it's still extra than what we had last year in 2020, but you know it's it's like introducing bisanu and then throwing freeze out in there right uh. right it, it, it kind of feels like the same sort of thing the, the i think the big disconnect at least for me personally is that i've never hit a point with any of the sheepyard changes where i've been like oh the economy is finally fixed nope, this is never right and so because it's never felt like oh we finally got there this is now an a, a reasonable economy for the game when you take two steps forward and one step back you're just like wait no we're gonna go go the other three steps forward still didn't get us there <laughs> like keep going that way um yeah. and, and specifically sabaiku i want to introduce that into the last big change of uh the game which is the brawls yeah we talked about playing the brawls earlier but from a resource generation perspective 
you know, having two extra brawls to play gives you ways to earn other resources. It's just you earn those other resources at the cost of your coins. It's so difficult, right? Like, I I, want to play all the brawls. I want to. I want to drive them all to 70 or further crowns, but I can't afford to. And even if, you know, (laughs) once you've added in two new brawls every week like this, even if... You had not increased the cost of the daily check-in calendar. Even if you hadn't uh, decreased the end-of-season rewards, I would not be sitting here right now saying, oh, I've got all the gold I need to be able to, to, to continually play Brawl all the time, right? Like, no, but you can play all three Brawls for free or cheap milestones and get a little bit extra. You know, get those extra mm-hmm. five rubies, get those extra few cards. It, it does help. It's a little bit every week which adds up to still just a little bit at the end of the month. Uh, I, I, again, I appreciate the step in the right direction. I mean, yes. If, if we're going to go, like, let's shoot to 30,000 feet right now, right? We're introducing new mechanics. Are these new mechanics good? They're great. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say the new mechanics that are being introduced are great. You? The new brawl mechanics? Yeah. The idea, well, the they're, idea they're different. Of... And so by just by that standard, they are great. No, but the uh, cross-faction cards in a single deck, like that, that, that concept of being able to play two different factions at the same yeah. time. Yes, that's fantastic. Um, uh, the, the idea of multiple brawls to enable players at different library levels to be able to compete. Fantastic. It's just flat out. There, I, if you want to be critical about that, I don't know how. To, to, to say that having three tiers of brawls is a bad thing for the game, I think is just incorrect. It is wonderful. Uh, I just I just want to be able to afford it. <laughs> yeah, that I do agree with. Um, and it, it, they've taken the steps, right? When you look at them all together this year, they've taken the steps on the economy. It's just I don't think it's still enough to put it in a good place, unfortunately. I don't think it's in a bad like like if if we looked at it last year uh, and said you know where is the game. I would have said, well, it seems to be a little stale. It seems to be not moving particularly much. Not a lot of changes are being made. Changes are being made monthly now. Um, and and in, in entirely new ways of playing the game. Brawl at, at, at you know, at, at level threes. Brawl at level ones um, are, are being added. It, it, it's not the same game that it was last year by no, any stretch. It's, it, it, it's come quite, quite a ways. But but the, to your point, the big overarching concern of just the economy is really hard to get over. Uh, uh, that hasn't been changed particularly. Yeah, I, it's in better shape than it was last year. For sure. But it, it still feels like it's the limiting factor. But more more worrisome to me, I think, than just it's the limiting factor to what's already happening. As Sheepyard is starting to introduce things like, hey, look at all these new brawl modes and look at all these new... I want to do them all. I, I, I don't just need the, the economy to be fixed to enable my ladder ranking like I did last year. That's what I needed the economy to be fixed for. Now it's just like, I want to do all this new stuff you're going to introduce. I want to I want to use these new cards you want to give me like ice flakes. Play more, it, grind more. Right. I can't. Like I, um that's that's where it gets a little frustrating is just oof, if only I had the ability to grind to the max every day so that I could have gold to do all this cool stuff. Now let's end on a positive note though because there were some other changes that were made. Mm-hmm. Like the overall 
level of polish on the game is just so much better than it was, right? The filter oh, of the collection, the player profiles and avatars, uh, the friend list rework, the add a friend button for the last opponent that you played. Uh, even the little thing like the compass on the home screen actually works when you're on mobile. Like that's fantastic. Yeah, the little Easter eggs like that. It's 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 so much more professional. It feels to your, to, to use your word so much more polished. Um, yeah, no, this they're awesome. Um, it's a lot of little I, details that you don't necessarily notice every time you open up the app, but when you do notice them, it gives you just a, a little bit of delight. Yeah, I'd like to see Sheepyard try to find more of their income through these kinds of things, uh, changing the card backs, uh, changing the avatars, like, you know, things like that. Those are, you know, uh, skins that... Uh, uh, sure, charge for cosmetics. Right, exactly. And then you That's can make your money that do. way and then uh, free up the progression in the game to a be bit. disentangled from the monetary side of things, hopefully. Yeah, um, because, I mean, let's credit where credit is due. These changes have been really, really good. Um, we're going to, I think, pass on the card of the week this week, uh, just because we've run over so much, but there's been so much to talk about. I, I, I honestly believe, Sabaiku, if we chose to do this last July, this would have been like a 45-minute uh, show at max. There just wasn't that much that had happened, right? Well, Sheepyard had not owned the game at that point. It had not mm-hmm. even been in charge of the game for very long. You know, really, this is kind of a full year almost now of uh, Sheepyard running things. So we're, we've got a good idea of what they want the game to look like. Yes, Um and, and because of that, there's just, you know, this, this episode's going to go a little long. And unfortunately, we're punting card of the week then. Um, we will get into our feedback. Uh, but before we do, it's time for me to remind you to please contact us, preferably in our channel on the Stormbound Discord server or on Twitter at BroodSages. Uh, you can always email us at thebroodsages at gmail.com. We also have an additional way for you to reach out and support us. We now have a Gumroad account where you can become patrons of our work check out the link on our Stormbound Kitty page. This week we heard from uh, Catloader. Uh, this week we heard from Ubermensch, who said, great episode. Love me some one-hour Brood Sages experience. Well, Ubermensch, you're going to love tonight. Uh, next up was Naternad. Uh, Naternad. Uh, Naternad said, your giggling at 1.5 speed makes me so happy, Freeloader. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> love the episode. Um, I don't know how to respond to that, but uh, I'm glad i'm providing entertainment and sven says hey all just thought i would throw out a brawl suggestion instead of closing the brawl after sunday leave the link available but don't allow new games this way we can review the rankings until the next event this should be easy to implement you can even apply that to hl at the end of the month so we can see last month's rankings cheers i actually really love this idea um a a persistent leaderboard that uh allows you to go back and look yeah i mean you know if nothing else it would make sometimes the race uh for number one at the heroes league for example is really really tight and you don't want to go to sleep but you're too tired so you fall asleep you wake up the next morning you just log on to see who won and you can't (laughs) (laughs) uh so i get it i think that's a great idea sven um but that's going to do it for tonight's episode. For Sabaiku, I am Freeloader. We are the Brood Sages, reminding you to stay hydrated. <laughs>